Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Welcome to Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets, Episode 120 for those keeping score at home. I am joined today by... Andy Rampernard. And... Mike Gelfand. Oh, there you go. Timing is perfect. And finally... Tommy! Tommy, beaming in from Florida. We'll be right back after these exciting announcements from our sponsors. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant We are back with Car Selling Secrets. It's a beautiful Thursday afternoon in sunny Minnesota, episode 120. Um, we don't have a guest. We've got a few things to talk about. Uh, the talk and text line is open as always. If you don't know the number, it's 561-228-4061. Before we talk about cars, I have a question for our friend Mike Gelfan. Mike, what's your take on the baseball season? Is it going to happen? Do you think they're going to lock them out? What, what's the latest? Well, I mean, they're already locked out, of course. But yeah. I know, I know what you mean. But in the regular season, nah, there's too much money involved. No, nobody's going to be willing to sit out. Hey, that's one thing about about this sort of dispute is when there's that much money on the table, people find a way to get together. But uh, we've already lost a week or two of spring training. Right. So yeah, I don't know if the season's going to start on time. That now that's a that's a significant question, and, and uh, you know, I'm 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 thinking that uh, at the point we're at, it's going to be tough to get the season started, and also there's going to be repercussions. Players aren't going to be uh, very well conditioned in some cases, mm-hmm. and there are going to be a lot of injuries early, and uh, so once again, you have a season which is going to be affected by outside factors that really can't be anticipated. So from what I understand, they've got to get this settled in the next four or five days if they're going to get the season started on time at the end of March. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's that's what they're saying, and it seems like a perfectly reasonable thing to, to anticipate, yeah. Did you guys see that stat this morning that appeared all across the country that for every day of the regular season that is missed, it will cost the collective players $20 million. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, yeah. Every day is $20 bucks. 
Yeah, there's some players out there I would have thought every day would have cost a single player $20 million when you look at some <laughs> of these salaries. It. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, no, it's, it's like I say, there's, there's a huge amount of money on the table. And uh, yeah, our economy needs every penny it can get right now. Right, absolutely. What, what are well, they the fighting about, money. Mike? What's the sticking points? Because I honestly haven't followed it that closely. I'm like, ah, they'll get this settled like they always seem to. Well, a lot, a lot of it always has to do with, uh, obviously it's about money, but a lot of it has to do with, with you know, money from, from TV, how it's shared, uh, salary, base salary, minimum salaries. They've been quibbling over minimum salaries. They want to raise it by a couple hundred thousand and uh, the players do, and uh, and it will be raised. I don't know if it will be by that much. So basically, they're almost arguing about every source of revenue there is right now. I don't think they've settled on anything. But, you know, it'll be like there'll be a tipping point, they'll resolve something, and then the rest will just follow. What is the base salary for a pro ball player now? Do you know, roughly? I think the the minimum is somewhere around 600,000. Does that sound right? For a two ten hitter, I have to look it up, but it's somewhere around six hundred thousand. Uh, Remember when Harmon Killebrew five seventy five okay, seven? So there you go. Harmon Killebrew broke the hundred thousand dollar a year barrier. I was just floored. I'll never forget it. Well, I think yeah, the, I think I the Yankees paid the Red Sox a hundred grand for Babe Ruth in nineteen nineteen. Yeah. If I rem- that seems to stick in my mind as the right number. Yeah, yeah, but inflation. Let's see. Let's see what that's worth in uh, today's dollars. Nineteen nineteen hundred thousand. You said. Yeah. Oh, Is God. that worth twelve million? <laughs> One point six. So one point yeah. six million. That sounds light, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, and the old for a hundred years old, ago, though. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the old story, which is probably apocryphal, is. When when it was revealed that uh, Ruth had that that huge salary, um, someone someone said to him, uh, "Yeah, that's a lot. I mean that's that's more than the president makes." And Ruth's response supposedly was, "Yeah, but I had a better year." <laughs> well, he did. He's not lying. <laughs> well, you could, I mean that that could be sort of a contemporaneous thing too, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You can pretty much say that any year, couldn't you? Yeah, he pretty much could. Well, we had a uh, somebody texted in with a question, and yes, I've got a did. story that we're going to read uh, to talk about that. He is uh, a customer that bought a Ford uh, three-quarter ton pickup truck uh, on order, and the order keeps getting pushed back. And I just pulled this off the wires this morning when I was looking for automotive content to talk about. It says, an overflow lot near Ford's Michigan assembly plant is again filling up with the SUVs, and the automaker says the industry's microchip shortage is to blame. Mm. Tyler, I can't, Schnozmeyer is his name. Schnozmeyer. Schnozmeyer in the morning. Schnozmeyer. Okay. S-C-H-A-N-T. I like better. Yeah, Schnozmeyer's better, and he's probably not a listener. 2021 Bronco Badlands was built more than two months ago, but instead of sitting in his Boonville, Montana, driveway it's languishing amid a sea of snow-caked suvs in a holding area near the michigan assembly plant communication from ford has been non-existent he said although his dealer blamed the holdup on the global semiconductor shortage which the automaker has confirmed his delivery date has been pushed back five times as now is tentatively in april i'm concerned about the value of my vehicle sitting out in the elements Sean's Meyer told Automotive News, its value is depreciating even before I take delivery. I'm not sure that that's true. Uh, the lot Sean's Meyer's Bronco mockingly referred to on in online forums as Dirt Mountain 
for the large amount of upturned earth on the site. So to answer your question, caller, I don't I don't think anybody knows. I would uh, I'd, I'd stay in contact with your dealer. You have to realize that the dealer has every interest in getting you your vehicle as quickly as possible because um, they don't get paid until you take delivery of it. I mean, I'm sure that you probably left some sort of a deposit, but they're not going to you know, get wealthy off that. I mean, you guys are, are, are in alignment and uh, being on the same team. So it's, uh, this story is across a lot of different manufacturers. It's a little more uh, predominant with domestics, especially trucks, because, because of the number of custom orders. They're not really mass-produced. You have a variety of options as opposed to buying like a Honda Civic, which comes one or three or four ways. Uh, but Honda is having issues as well. I was <clears throat> talking to a friend of mine who was a sales manager at a Honda store, and he's going, I love snow days, which... For those of you not in the car business, they're just awful. You have to move every piece of inventory on the lot, plow, shovel, move them all back. And I said, you know, Joe, I remember five years ago, Andrew and Charlie Swenson got together, put together a deal with Chrysler and bought like 500 brand new or 800 brand new Jeeps. Across the entire company right now, we only have 400 new cars on the ground. It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's so I thought the chip shortage was, like, more or less over. No. Uh. No, it's not. Um, you know, the good thing, I think, long-term for the country is that it's forced a lot of development uh, of uh, U.S. manufacturing of mm -hmm. chip plants. But it's going to take a few years before those come online. Yep. But, you know, we're creating a lot of that, and the electrification of the automobile industry is creating thousands and thousands and thousands of, of pretty good-paying and permanent jobs. So it's... You know, they're, they're, the, the, the end is in sight. It's going to take a little longer than anybody, than anybody wants to. It's, uh, it's crazy right now. Used car prices, especially, you know, later model stuff, is just through the roof. I, Sarah was thinking about getting something newer. Five-year-old, six-year-old Chrysler 300 is worth more than we paid for it five years ago, mm -hmm. but there's really nothing to buy, so it's it's a weird time. So I'm sorry, Mr. Ford customer, I don't have any better news for you, but just, you know, don't drive the dealer crazy, but just call them every couple of weeks and say, hey, what's the latest, what's the update? And, and they're as anxious as you are. This isn't doing anybody any favors. I mean, you do know that next Tuesday it's going to be, and now from Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com, Doug Schnozmeyer. <laughs> That's great. Next Tuesday, baby. Look forward Sounds to like it. Sounds like a Pee Wee's Playhouse character. <laughs> what are you doing, Schnozmaya? Hey, Schnozmaya. Joe on the phone. Speaking Joe of Schnoz Ford, what's going on, Joe? Might be able to Joe? talk about the uh, Ford uh, shortages. Uh, well, uh, you guys do remember last year I was telling you that. We're going to be well into 2022 before the chip shortage is over. Mm -hmm. Now they're talking about we may be in well into 2023 before it even happens. Oh, God. Oh, God. So what am I going to talk about on the morning show, Joe? Come to Walzer and look at pictures of cars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Free coffee. Well, we, got, we got dealerships all over, here, all over the place down here that have trucks on them, vehicles on them, but they can't sell them because there are no chips in them. Yeah. God. That, I think Ford's the only manufacturer that did that, and I thought it was actually pretty good because a little easier to, for a dealer to keep, you know, 50 trucks secure and relatively clean and stuff rather than sitting on racetracks right. and, you know, farm fields or what the, where they have the uh, 
Broncos stacked in what's called Dirt Mountain. I don't think they'd want mine there either. So, uh, but they're the. Right I don't think General Motors did that. I think Ford's the only one. And it was, uh, you know, it was uh, the dealer had to volunteer to, to accept the inventory if I if I recall correctly. Right, they did. You know, it's just a matter of who gets the chips when they come in. Who who gets them first? Yeah. No. In my ignorance, what is causing this chip shortage? Joe? Nobody wants to work. <laughs> so literally, it's just nobody wants to work. Really? Oh, it is everywhere, yeah. It, it, everywhere you look. I, I would, you know, what? we've talked about this before. I actually blame it on Toyota. And the reason I oh. say that is that they were the ones that years ago invented what's called just-in-time inventory, mm -hmm. which means as oh, a manufacturer, yeah. and Toyota, like most autom all automobile companies, I think maybe other than the super exotics, um, don't make all the parts that go into a vehicle. They outsource them because it's cheaper. You know, in the old days, God, at the old Ford plant in St. Paul, they, they dug uh, sand out of the Mississippi okay. River to make windshields. Well, they, yeah. they stopped doing that 70 years ago. Toyota got really good at becoming efficient and turned into the juggernaut that it was. And what happened uh, during the early days of COVID, when they shut down all the plants, the manufacturers are trying to save dough, so they canceled all the orders. Well, there's a huge upswing in... Uh, PC production, cell phones, all the stuff from people staying at home, and they weren't able to get back in the order stream. The other problem is, is because of the severe conditions that automobiles operate in, as opposed to your iPhone, you know, they have to be able to work at, you know, 140 degrees on the inside of your car in the summertime, down to, you know, 50 below zero if you're up in Eveleth in January, and everything in between, all well shock, vibration, and harshness. So they use old chip technology in uh, automobile production. Uh, NHTSA would have to recertify uh, newer chips if they were available to go into the cars. So it's really just kind of a that and then, you know, the chip uh, plant fire in, uh, in uh, Taiwan, I believe it was, uh, early on in the COVID crisis uh, triggered a lot of this. It's just, it's... Well, actually, it was early on in the chip crisis. Chip was, crisis, that's right. Yeah, that's about, they said it was about only 2% of their plant, but it, it, it was a big chunk of their production. And they were the uh, predominant company that provided chips yeah. to everybody. And that's, it's interesting, although it's only interesting if this is, because this is pretty esoteric stuff, but it's one of the reasons that some of the new upstart electric companies like Tesla and Rivian have been able to keep the production going is, you know, they, they've developed their own chip technology basically for those cars. Electric cars re actually require quite a bit fewer uh, microchips as opposed to internal combustion cars, and they were able to repurpose modern ones and keep the production going. So it's, uh, it's an interesting time, but I, God, Joe, I really hope that we don't have to deal this for another year. Uh, I read automotive news all the time, and to be in the car business, you have to be optimistic because it's too easy to get depressed, and so they're all like, yeah, it'll be better by May, and so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure, so... You want to be depressed right. getting the radio business. How about that action? <laughs> yeah, it's probably the same thing, right? God. Well, every everything's got repercussions. I mean, you can't just like they say, shit rolls downhill. Yeah, 
And it no, really, we, I mean, no, we, we look at the inflation that we're in right now, and a lot of it is caused by automobile prices. I mean, late model used right. car prices are up 60% over a year. And, and you know, that that's a huge also, percentage, it's but it's more. also a very big dollar amount. You know, if, if milk goes up 60%, you go, eh, Yeah, it's okay, an extra 60 cents. Hardly feel it, yeah. but when a... Fifteen thousand dollar car is now twenty six thousand dollars. It's it, right. it's a huge difference to the to how we measure the economy. And then people look at these economic indicators and and they take it. You know, there, there's a, a personal psychology behind that. It's like, oh, you've got this terrible inflation problem, and um, you know, it's not the money supply so much. It's just not we've, we've got plenty of money. We just don't have enough stuff to buy with all the money we have. Right. Joe, what do you think of a new, uh, like, uh, kind of a new bit on the KQ Morning Show? What does Schnoz Meyer think? <laughs> and then you have Doug come on. And what I do you think, think we go with it. Wouldn't that mean a German? No, I thought it was Sprewell. Wouldn't that mean a nose farmer? Yeah. Is that what Meyer means? <laughs> I'm not real. I'm not real. You know, I'm not, not exactly either. an expert on German language, but it seems to me it might mean something like that. Probably does. Leonard Barr. <clears throat> no, so I just come uh, up with a new nickname for him every week, then? That'd be awesome. Yeah, might as well. Schnozmeyer. Oh, I like Schnozmeyer. Yeah, I you're like actually right. Tenant farmer. So Schnozmeyer would, in fact, in German, mean nose farmer. <laughs> Nose farmer. Well, there you go. <laughs> oh, you need to know, Buster Brown. Thanks so right much, there. Mike. You don't have to watch him pick his nose. We're good. Well, it is radio, so you're say you're, you're spared that, and mm. they stopped streaming the podcast <laughs> a while ago, so it's okay. Yep. Don't oh, say. God. Uh, one of the greatest jokes ever told. Leonard Barr. Remember Leonard Barr? I don't. Dean Martin. Yeah. Dean Martin's uncle. You don't remember Leonard? He I was don't. a stand-up comedian. Okay. Quite a quite a homely man. He didn't look anything like Dean. I, let me just say that. He comes on Johnny Carson when he goes, Johnny, I don't know if you notice or not, but you know, looking at me, you, could, you wouldn't be able to tell, but women are wild about me. He says, really? He goes, yeah. Matter of fact, on the way in here, I'm walking up to the door here at NBC, and there are three beautiful young women in the street. And as I walk by, they all go, nine. Nine. <laughs> Nine. <laughs> Turns out they were German. <laughs> I love that joke so much. They're not rating his beauty. They're just saying no. <laughs> I love that. And it's stuff. a little too close to home, Tom. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I understand. Hey, Jerry Seinfeld got an entire episode out of uh, nose picking. Remember that? Indeed. Yeah. 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 Said he said it's, no. He didn't. Uh, something about uh, you know, there was no contact. It was right? a scratch. Something it was like a scratch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Doug, I do have a car selling secrets question for you. Sure. Um, I pointed this out on the, on this show and on the morning show that uh, one of the cars that I bought from you has like a twenty one or twenty two gallon gas tank, right? Mm-hmm. And I went to fill it up, and for the first time in my life, it was over a hundred dollars to fill up my car. <laughs> What? Yeah, no, hundred dollars, Doug. I know that people are going to start freaking out. I, I, you know, it's, it's. I was listening to radio on the way over here, and with the situation and with Russia and the Ukraine, it's likely that gas nationally they're saying is going to hit over four bucks a gallon pretty quickly. It's like three sixty-five now. Please, please. I mean, the last time this happened was the summer of '08. It was right before the recession hit, and yeah. 
Yep. People just freaked out. Please get a calculator out and do some math because for most of it, yeah, it's, I get it. It sucks. I mean, I own a boat that on a good day, if you <laughs> take it easy, gets one mile per gallon. Yep. So, you know, it's got twin 125-gallon tanks. You think 100 bucks in the black cat's a lot of money. You should fill out the white uh, tiger. But, but for most of us, I mean, just let's do the math together. I haven't done this. Andy, do you have a calculator handy? Uh, yes. Let's go My to powerful dad. brain. The average and person not just computer I'm sitting in front of. Drives 12,000 miles a year. 12, and let's say uh, we'll just pick 25 miles per gallon. So... 12,000 divided by 25 is how many gallons of gas? Uh, 480. 480. So if gas is... 3,000. Close. The, so if it's 480 <laughs> gallons. So if gas is 3 bucks a gallon, what's 3 times 480? It's 12. Uh, let's see. 1360. 1440. 1440. Close. Okay, now do the same thing times $5 a gallon. Okay, Ooh. let's see here. 480 times 5 is going to be 2,400. So an extra... Thousand dollars. Yep, divided God. by twelve. Uh, divided by twelve. It'd be about eighty-eight bucks. Two hundred. No, it should be what? less than that. If it's a thousand divided by twelve, it can't be. 200. Oh, a thousand divided. Yep. By, I thought you meant twenty-four hundred. Yeah. Divided it was by the difference 12. between three and five dollars. Well, let's see. Eighty-three. Eighty-three. Well, there you yep. go. Eighty-three. Yeah. So if gas goes up to five bucks a gallon and you and you drive twelve thousand miles a year and you get a car that gets twenty-five miles per gallon, that's what the difference in your fuel cost is going to be. The reason I say this is that back in '08 we saw the craziest stuff: people that were driving pickup trucks, Yukon Suburbans, raced into Toyota and traded them in on Priuses. And then when gas went back down to two fifty a gallon six months later, guess what they did? They traded the Priuses in on uh, oh, used yeah. SUVs. So they yep. spent, you know, a lot of people, it, it cost them $20,000 or more to play this game yep. to, save to save $80 dollars a month. A month yeah. So it, it's, and it's so weird that people focus on gas prices. And I don't like paying it either, but um, I think we got to take a break and then I'll tell a great Paul Walzer story about gas prices. This is a, a multi-millionaire complaining about gas prices in 2008. <laughs> so we'll be right back after these exciting announcements with uh, our next segment that we'll call Pick on Paul. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. I met the folks from Shift Real Estate last year on our way to Key West and loved their story. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees because they list for a flat fee of $5,000, and that includes photos, MLS listing, online marketing, and the assistance of a full-time realtor. Tell Shift about your home, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more. Shift Real Estate, the common-sense way to sell your home. Visit shift2sell.com because life is expensive enough. And we are back with Stretch's Picks. Who's winning this thing? The Kitties, the Pack, the Bears, or the Purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SaberHeating.com. 
Ladies and gentlemen, remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener's Special Square, check out this flash sale on the Giza Dream Sheets. It won't be around for long. There are also deep discounts on all other MyPillow products, too. Enter promo code TOM, T-O-M, or call 800-516-5146 for these great radio specials. We are back with Walzer Automotive Group's Let's Pick on Paul Walzer story. So this goes back to 2008, and I'm the new car director at the time, and we're all, uh, the corporate headquarters is upstairs at the Toyota store. And it was really nice because Paul could call me into his office as often as he liked, and when he had something on his mind, it was pretty much constant. In fact, I was tempted to set up a desk in there. He goes, Dougie driving a forerunner and paul has and his wife have five kids and he goes it's just the thing's killing me this this four dollar gallon gas is driving me crazy um i i need something that hauls like well i mean me and becky and we go down to the farm so we get the five kids and sometimes we want to take some of their friends so let's say nine or ten people that gets like 40 or 45 miles per gallon what do we have I said, sir, we don't have anything. Yeah. Well, why not? And I said, well, I think it's the law of physics. Mm-hmm. They don't have anything that will do that. He goes, well, they should, they should build something like that because this is just insane. I, $4 a gallon. I said, Paul, look at it this way. You only own half of the company. Andrew owns the other half. So for you, gas is really only 2 bucks a gallon. And he's got a big smile on his face, and he goes, I like the way you think. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Just a little oh. advice to everybody, because and, and we can talk about the Ukraine. I think it's on everybody's mind, but oh, and this God, is going to yeah. be one of the many things that we're going to have to deal with uh, is high gas prices. And I would you know, would love to sell hybrid cars and all that sort of stuff. I'm not trying to talk anybody out of it, but take a longer range view, do the actual math for your situation, and see if it actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because you might be, and this is a an old saying that a friend of mine taught uh, taught me a long time ago. He says, don't step over dollars to pick up dimes. Yep, makes sense. There you go. Yeah. So well, let's nobody else to... cheered for you. Oh, well, I, no. I did, Doug. You know, I these know, other You two. were right there. It's The timing is brutal right now. You've had the same problem on the morning show. Sometimes they're just right on, right on it, and other times it's like, so what do you guys think about mm-hmm. uh, Chernobyl? Yeah, when you're not looking face to face, it's a little difficult sometimes. No, all you have to do is pay attention. That's all you have to do uh, on the radio, and you'd be good to go. Is that all it is? And the reason I yep. brought up Chernobyl is apparently the uh, fighting is is nearing the failed nuclear plant, which is in oh, Ukraine. God. A lot yeah. of people don't know that. Um, yeah, there's the uh, there's a big, basically just block of melted stuff that is extremely radioactive and it's in fact so radioactive it's called the elephant's foot yeah uh it's so radioactive that you cannot look at it and you cannot take a picture of it because if you take a picture of it it will melt the camera basically before you can uh yeah so if you drop a bomb on that thing it uh could be very very bad in in typical eastern european fashion there is a company that makes vodka right from chernobyl they started a couple well, of years yeah. ago. It's like that's yeah, like a folk remedy over there. Is that they say that vodka will cure radiation poisoning, which it doesn't. Oh, what? But they do what? Really, yes, that's a real thing. Vodka <laughs> will protect you against radiation poisoning for whatever reason. But yeah. that's yeah. So the threat. The threat here is that what we're looking at is sort of a 
uh, sort of a sideways nuclear attack because you yeah. bomb that reactor and basically you've created a nuclear bomb. You hit that right. elephant's foot and it's going to spread fallout for, it could spread fallout for many hundreds of miles. Yeah, so, yeah. kill a lot of Russians uh, too. And to, yeah. Absolutely, yes. Don't worry the, about don't that. You know, don't you know in Mother Russia, vodka cures everything? That is yeah. true. For those of you that might not have seen it, I think it's a Netflix show a few years old, but there's a, a series about Chernobyl that's just one of the best things I've ever seen on TV. It was just fabulous. It's incredible how many stupid decisions had to be made in order for that thing to happen. Yeah. And I have some Russian right. friends, and when that was on, I asked them, I said, it, how close is this portrayal to what the Soviet Union was like in the 70s and 80s? And they all said it's just scarily accurate, yep. down to the drably painted apartment buildings and the cheap watches and it's the ill-fitting clothes yep. and everything. He says that's exactly what, that's why we're in America. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, um, if you look at pictures of the people's homes in former soviet countries what you're going to see is a lot of like colorful patterns and stuff just all over everything like these super gaudy rugs and uh window coverings and everything and the reason for that is because in the soviet union having anything that wasn't basically just undyed burlap was a form of a status symbol mm. because it was seen as excessive and wasteful in a communist country so now everyone's like ah oh, look what i've got i've got something red <laughs> <laughs> It sounds insane, Say. but it's true. Yeah. Very impressive. So I've got a question for you, for everybody. Um, and I'm not a great, uh, not well-versed on the history of Ukraine and, and the Soviet Union as I should be. Although I suspect if we go on Facebook in the next week, we'll find a lot of uh, people that have PhDs in, yeah, in Eastern European brand studies. Brand new scholars, yes. Right. You know, yeah. after they got this after their, uh, you know, uh, transmissible disease PhDs. Mm -hmm. But in the early 90s, and this is, you know, it's so interesting that's, that we do things sometimes that we think are the good thing and, and the long chain of unintended consequences. In the early 90s, from what I understand, in the Clinton administration, and with the help of NATO and Europe, we convinced Ukraine to uh, denuclearize. Uh, they had mm -hmm. nuclear weapons and nuclear capabilities. Whether that would have come into play today had they still had them, it, it's hard to say, but it's, you know, I, I, I vaguely remember this in the 90s, and I'd like to get everybody's take on it. Maybe not, I don't know if you tracked this much, Andy, but I bet your dad and Mike certainly did. Um, if I remember the reaction at the time was like, this is a good thing. We need less, fewer of these, not more. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, 35 years later, or is it 40 years? There's that math thing again we were talking about yeah, earlier. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually um, been 100 years. Yeah. <laughs> so one million years later, it's come back to haunt us. So do you guys remember the, the sentiment at the time when this happened? Or I remember, yeah, denuclearization. Yeah. Well, actually, um, the peace symbol, you know, the peace symbol, it's like basically an M and an I combined, kind of. Yeah. It actually, in semaphore, is ND, which stands for nuclear disarmament. Huh. Mm -hmm. Oh. I remember that was yeah. like such a huge thing. Andy they just, Bernard comes through with the ultimate hippie yeah, culture there reference. There you go. Yeah, the hippie Andy. Mm -hmm. You know me. But yeah, uh, nuclear disarmament has been a thing for, God, forever, my entire life. They're still doing it in Germany. They're shutting down a bunch of their nuclear plants. Yeah. So, 
Anti-nuclear sentiment is not new, and it's not going away. I was just waiting for Doug to talk. I was waiting for Mike. <laughs> well, oh, I think he fell asleep. No, I, I just, you know, the, the thing is, the concept is certainly, certainly a, a, a good one, and so the alternative, unfortunately, the alternative to denuclearization is just the fact that everyone, every country, will have yep. the atomic bomb. mutually assured destruction. Because there's nothing stopping any country from having it, you know. Um, and uh, so it's kind of kind of scary. And there are people who would argue that, uh, like, if, if everybody has a nuclear bomb, then it's the same as no one having mm-hmm. one. But I think that's, that's suggesting that maybe uh, some people who are not entirely sane are sane. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. That's what nu- mutually assured destruction is. It's basically, if I right. have a nuke, you have a nuke, and I attack you, you're going to nuke me, uh, right. so then I'm going to nuke you. So basically, if either right. of us attack each other, we're both dead, so why would we attack each other? Right. So I, but... Because the concept, the concept is, is fairly simple. The concept is that a nuclear bomb is only effective if you don't use it. Right, exactly. Yeah, so I haven't been to any ISIS uh, HQ meetings, but I suspect that if they got a, the ability to blow up New York City, it would take them about four seconds to yeah, pull Yeah, I don't the think tr- they care too much the about the uh, mutually assured destruction thing. God, isn't that just a myth? Well, how the hell did we get here? Explain that to me. Good God. Everybody hates everybody. Everything sucks, and we're going to war, and it might be World War III. And like, I don't think what it's What the new. hell happened? Well, I mean, it's worse you, than it's ever been. If you look at human history, I think we're actually at like World War 173 at this point. Well, yeah, that's true. But <clears throat> well, I know, think this has been the longest stretch of uh, without conflict, really, in Europe. Probably, yeah, in, in history, mm-hmm. which goes back mm-hmm. to you know 1945. Oh yeah, people have roughly. just been conquering each other and murdering each other just for the hell of it for uh, since recorded history and probably quite a while back. When you look at the invasion of Czechoslovakia in '68, so it hasn't been exactly trouble-free, right. but and, but but those are relatively minor compared to all the wars that have been fought in Europe in the mm-hmm. last thousand yeah. years. And with every conflict, the stakes are higher. That is the problem. Yes, weapons are are always going up. But hey, eventually we'll get to a point where it's all just robots. So who cares if they get blown up? <laughs> then the robots oh, will turn on us like they're well, turning it. Well, better yes. Now. I, I I don't know. That just the whole thing is just t- too much for me. It, well, I, I, I look and uh, I'm a centrist, so I'm not leaning left and I'm not leaning right. But as a centrist, I look back and go, you know, how far back do you have to go? We had a solid president. My God, our presidents sucked. Now what happened? <laughs> Well, they're terrible on both sides. What the hell happened? Well, here, here's part of the problem. When the, when the uh, minimum salary for a professional baseball player mm-hmm. that might hit 205 is um, over half a million dollars, and the president gets, what, 370 Well, he officially yeah. gets 370 yeah. but, I mean, yeah. when's the last president came out of the White House that wasn't a millionaire? No, that's right. I mean, Obama, the Obama's got a $100 million advance. Bushes are worth tons of, of money. Books. Clintons are worth tons of money. I, yeah. I literally right. can't name the last president that was, like, I think even... it goes back to maybe Truman. I don't know that he yeah, left. Maybe. And Jimmy Carter yeah, was not wealthy. I mean, Carter was... wasn't wealthy. I don't know. I don't think he is still. What about Nixon? Well, Nixon kind of, yeah, it's it's hard to make money when uh, you're yeah, uh, disgraced. Yeah, that, that would have been an exception. Yeah, but it's true. I mean, you, 
you, you first thing you do is you sign a you know like a ten million dollar book contract, yep, exactly. right? Which really right. is always I've never understood it because who the I hell agree. reads those books? I've never met Not anyone. Me. I don't think. I know a lot yeah. of people that read uh, Michelle Obama's book. I don't know anybody that read her husband's book. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I never read any of those books, but I don't no. get it. No, I think that when I look back at, at my life, I think that the uh, the first president that I sort of remember who uh, didn't have to face uh, what we're facing today in some way is was probably uh, probably Eisenhower. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, um, he I was he was president when I was born, or maybe soon after. And the thing about Eisenhower was he had the incredible advantage of not being a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah, right. So right. Tom, that was your ultimate president. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's, he was, he's yeah. what one of three pre- American presidents that were got elected because they were great uh, military leaders, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. You get uh, Ulysses, Ulysses Grant. Grant and then George Washington. And, and, yep. I and Washington I don't wasn't know elected. Missing he was anybody. appointed. Yeah, so, kind of the same thing. Technically, yeah. yeah it's... Am I missing yeah, I just, any? I just, honest to God, I see these people do things like, you're the president. What the hell are you doing? And that's uh, that's all of them in my lifetime. Look, I do admit that I've been soured on the presidency ever since I was a little boy because I was so excited when I was 10 years old or, or, excuse me, I was 8 years old. No, I had just turned 9. I actually had just turned 9. When a Roman Catholic was elected president, I thought, oh my God, we broke through. There's a Catholic president. Turns out he was a member of the mafia, but other than that, you know. Yeah. What do you mean, well, it's a fact. <laughs> Not everybody's perfect. I mean, Mike Chichewski <laughs> yeah, exactly. doesn't handle criticism well. JFK's family's in the mafia. It's kind of the same yeah. thing. Pretty much. Just, well, look at, this, we... look at it this way. Yes, his family was, was connected, right? But mm-hmm. he, on the other hand, he had sex with Marilyn Monroe. So <laughs> uh, Right. So did Bobby. It, so it did he. So did uh, pick a card is all I have to say with Marilyn, unfortunately. <laughs> It's funny, your first memory of a president is being excited about representation. My first memory was H.W. Bush, and I remember thinking that it was funny that his name was the same as the plant. (laughs) (laughs) I was like five years old at the time. but You were five, yeah. (laughs) He's named after a plant. I was like, ha, 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 funny. My first memory of a president, Tom's going to love this, is Mr. Peanut. Mr. Peanut, Vice President was bald here, Mondale. Yep, the reason that meant a lot to me is because Walter Mondale's niece was my third grade teacher. Oh, oh look at that. You know, when I graduated from Breck, when it, back when it was on the River Road in the summer of 76, Walter Mondale was our commencement speaker. It was, they were, that was when they were, he and Jimmy Carter were running. And I remember being, well, I was a self-centered, pot-smoking 17-year-old. I was pretty nonplussed by the entire speech. Yeah. Well, I suppose that's true. Did he mention me in his speech because he was a huge fan of mine? Well, this would have been 76, so I don't know that you were on his radar back then. Well, I also wasn't. Uh, he was not He was not a big fan of mine. That part was a lie, too. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, Walter, to his dying day, did not care for me at all. I don't know what the hell that was all about. But, uh, well, I do know what it was all about because I don't kiss ass to politicians, so that's that's the deal there. But, uh, yeah, I, I just, why don't we, is, there's a lot of money to be made. You become world famous. You have great power. Why don't we have 
better people running for president. What the hell? Look, I voted for Tulsi Gabbard. You remember that? I brought that up the day after the oh, election. Oh, you never told me that. I didn't know that. Well, I, I mentioned it on the sh- this show. Okay. I, well, I might have missed it. Sorry. And eventually on the on the KQ Morning Show. But I voted for her because I thought she was very even. Now she's a Democrat. She's a woman. I don't know. Can you call her a woman of color? Is Samoan a woman of color? Because she's part Samoan, right? Well, unless yeah. you're translucent, everybody's got some color. That's true. Well, that's true. It really true, is a meaningless uh, phrase. Yeah. It's it? a meaningless phrase. That's very true. But uh, I think she's very strong. She's a military person. She's a, you know, a woman. I, I tend to, well, again, my dad wasn't absent, so I always followed the rules of women. So I was kind of used to that already. I was right, and you all were wrong. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm That's the only point I'm trying to make. Tom, you sound like a broken record. I do, don't I? I do indeed. It's true. I, no, but I, honest to God, just get somebody who's even keel and doesn't care about, I'm the greatest of all time and I'm the best and I stand toe to toe and, well, I, whatever. Oh, well, you Jesus. know, you, you take the money out and maybe we'd have someone like that someday. Well, that's what but I'm thinking. Yeah. We're not yes. going to take the money out. Yeah. We're not going to have that person. You're right. So why do we have the money in? Get the hell well, out of don't. the way. It's well, all kind of under the table. Do you remember what, what our friend yeah, uh, Pat Garofalo said? Because I asked him that very question last time yep, he and Winkler he were in here. And he goes, he says, trying to get the money out of politics is like trying to get the stink out of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> I just, there's got to be somebody out there that says, nice and even keel. We like even keel, don't we? Yeah. Well, there's plenty of people, they just, uh, they're not interesting enough to get elected. I suppose. But I mean, well, Jesus, look, at, I... look at what you have to do to get elected. I mean, it's, you have to say a lot, um, a lot of stuff. In, in some cases, everything you say is basically has to be a lie if you're going to get money. Yeah, yeah. And then, well, of that's course, true. You know, you can't, you can't win unless you get money. You can't get nominated unless you have money. Right. No, that's very true. You can't get the money unless you're willing to blow smoke up people's ass. Mm-hmm. Well, that's also have to very true. Well, so we're talking about money in politics. So if you had to guess what the average campaign spending of a oh, winning God. senator oh. is. See, it's tilted, though, because some of these races are $50 million, and the other mm-hmm. one, there's some that are a few hundred thousand dollars. I think you have to look at the, is it the median, not the mean? Uh, Yes. I don't know if I can find the median, but I can find the mean. Okay, what's the mean? $15 million for the average senator. Average. And there is a uh, very obvious, you can tell that um, that's how much you need to spend to win. If you don't spend as much money as the other guy, you have less chance of winning. So this it's is like for a job that pays a buck eighty-five, exactly. and, you right. own, right. and you have to own two houses. One of them has to be in Washington. Mm-hmm. And if you, so, <laughs> so you just spend fifteen million dollars to get elected. So of course you're going to be like, okay, sure, right. yeah, I'll take that book deal. I need to recoup some the, of these losses. The other question I would ask, and um, I could be wrong about this, but I, I think the numbers tend to stick with me. So the 2020 election. Um, the, the question there is, how much did that did that uh, election cost? Oh, God, I wouldn't even... I'm sure it's in the hundreds and hundreds of millions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely is is, is there. It's, uh, uh, as I recall, it's $14 billion. Oh, oh God. Right? Oh, God. I'm technically not wrong. It's just 1400 
you know. See, that's that's totally wrong, man. Yes, Why is. do we allow? Yeah, that's that. Really, that's just that's sick, as my dad we used to say, mm-hmm. and yes. he didn't like it. Sick, but in this case, it is kind of a kind of a an affliction. My head hurts. Exactly, our heads are aching. You know, that, uh, as a, go ahead, Tom. Sorry. Just very quickly, has the war gotten any worse since we've been on the air? Because, my God, every time I turn on the TV, it's worse. Yes, Ukraine is now named Russia, too. Yeah, probably. It's <laughs> set on Minnesota right now. Uh-oh. Well, magnificent. I'm glad to hear it. Sorry, Doug, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think we've depressed everybody enough, and I think we're over time, yeah, so true. it's time to wrap up. Episode 120 of Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. Remember, don't freak out about gas prices. Do some math, and uh, let's say some prayers that for all the people that are going to be suffering in uh, Eastern Europe in the next yep. weeks, months, and hopefully not years. I hope you're right. All right, talk to you later. See ya. Later. Yeah.